Welcome in to the Fantasy Football Fathers Podcast, where only one of us is an actual father and none of us are priests. My name is Trey Stinky Fingers Jose. I am joined here today by Tyler Big Irby Erbach. What's happening, What's dude? What's going on? Oh, you know, another day it's in paradise. Another day in paradise without James. He's gone. He's busy I doing stuff. It. Again. He's getting drunk with doctors again. So, um, <laughs> yeah, if you think he's being a butthole, hit us up on Twitter at the FF Fathers. <laughs> Or just in general, follow us on Twitter at the FF Fathers. And wherever you're listening to us right now, make sure you like and subscribe. Give us five stars. If you're not going to give us five stars, I always say, just don't even do it. You can fuck off, but keep listening uh, kindly. And yeah, so that's all the stuff we have to say in the beginning of the episode. What this episode is about <laughs> is... The late game, start or sits for week 10. We already covered the early games, which are the Sunday morning games and Thursday night football, which isn't rele- relevant to you at this point. But if you need to hear the Sunday morning games for our starts or sits, make sure you listen to our last episode, which is already uploaded. But on this episode, we're going over the late games, which is Sunday afternoon, Sunday night, Monday night football. And the most important part of the episode is probably our starts of the week. At least our favorite part of the episode, what we like to do every week. We each give one person for each position and just let you know who we think is definitely going to be a top 12 starter of the week, unless it's a receiver, top 24. So yeah, we're going to dive into that here in a second. But before we do that, just a reminder, we got four teams on by this week. Baltimore Ravens, Cincinnati Bengals, New York Jets, New England Patriots. So some pretty important people are out this week. Lamar Jackson, Joe Burrow. Um, who am I missing here? Ramondre Stevenson. Mixon. Yeah, Joe Mixon. Players like that. So yeah, yeah definitely some, studs some missing this week for sure. Yeah, definitely. Quite a few studs missing. You know, four teams out this week. And in this episode, we're going to go over the five late games and give our stars of the week. So let's just dive into the first late game. We got. The Indianapolis Colts playing in Las Vegas against my Raiders, the Raiders. And the Raiders are six and a half point favorites. The over-unders, 42 and a half points. What do you expect from the Colts offense? It's Jeff Saturday's first game as head coach. Two weeks ago, he was coaching a high school football team. Yeah. Um. I don't know, man. The whole hiring, this whole hiring was really weird from the from the jump. Um, apparently, it was reported that a lot of veteran Colts players were not happy with the hire. Um, I don't know. They didn't necessarily say that they were unhappy with the firing of Frank Reich. It was more that like they just pulled this dude off the street who was a high school football coach. And by the way, I heard this tonight. His record as a high school football coach is 20 and 16. So it's not like he's burnt, you know, going out and winning a bunch of state championships in his in his first stint as any type of head coach. And now you're going to go in and coach a professional football team. He came out in the in the you know in the press conference saying he's a leader of men and he's you know, he's not worried worried about it. And I appreciate, you know, that kind of attitude coming in, like, hey, I'm here to do the work as long as you are are too. And obviously there's going to be some respect there because he, you know, is a veteran in this league or was, you know, played what, 12, 13, 14 years, whatever it was in the league at a very high level. So there's a lot to be said there, but it's kind of weird to think that there's a chance he's already lost his locker room and he hasn't been on the job for a week. Yeah, I totally agree with what you're saying. To me, it kind of seems like I know you said that he said he was a leader of men. But to me, when I hear that quote, it's kind of like hiring Robin instead of Batman. Because his whole career, <laughs> he he was playing with Peyton Manning, and we know who ran that offense. Right. So it was more like, you know, he was like a VP of leading men. <laughs> yeah, and they yeah. didn't pull him off the streets. They pulled him off the rafters. He is in their, uh, what do they call it, ring of honor or something for the Colts. Yeah, he is. I mean, he's a he's a very respected figure within Indian Indianapolis. He's a beloved Colt. Like you know, you can't 
you can't take that away from it by any means. But man, this seems weird. Um, and in terms of what I expect from this offense for this week, I expect them to run the ball like it's you know the mid 1940s, and the passing game was basically not not invented yet. So I think you're going to see Jonathan Taylor probably get 30, 35 carries in this game. Yep, and that's honestly what I expect too. I'm a Raiders fan. I watch a lot of Raiders football. You can basically do what you want with his defense. And if Jonathan Taylor, if they want him to be the guy who leads them to victory, he very well could be that guy. So, you know, and that leads us to our next point. He was cleared to play on Thursday, and as far as we know, he's good to go. He's a definite starter on Sunday. So, as usual, if he's healthy, you're starting Jonathan Taylor. But the rest of this offense, what about Michael Pittman? Are you considering Michael Pittman? I mean, I just don't think you really can. Um, I mean, he, last week in, you know, in the second game with Sam Elger, was Sam Elger's first? No, it was the second game, right? Second game, yeah. Two full yeah. games so far. Two full games. So in those two games, he has he has a decent target targets at 15, but he has only 75 yards over the course of those two games, and they're not getting into the red zone. So he's not even has the chance to really score a touchdown. So I don't think you can put Michael Pittman in your lineups this week. I mostly agree with you, but the Raiders defense is super leaky, and I'm not high on Sam Ellinger by any means. You know, he hasn't scored a touchdown in the two games he has started which would be the last two weeks. But if anyone is going to produce for them in the receiving game, it's probably going to be Michael Pittman. And I wouldn't be surprised if he puts up a game where he's worthy of at least being a flex, you know, 12 plus points. It is a risky play because, you know, new head coach, everything is changing there, but I I really would not be surprised. It's a risky play, but it's it's definitely possible because their defense is so bad. Yeah, um, I, I agree. Honestly, I wouldn't be surprised because, you know, Jeff Saturday, he might want to come in and show that they can win a game. And so maybe he wants to go back to a veteran. And if Ellinger, Ellinger has, you know, a rough first half, I could see them pulling him pretty quickly and putting Matt Ryan back into the lineup, um, who apparently is healthy again now. He's he's back on, on the roster. He's going to go. Um, he practiced in full on Thursday. And if not Matt Ryan, you also have Nick Foles on the roster. So. I think there's a pretty good chance that Ellinger doesn't even oh, play this whole game. Big Dick Nick. I hope he doesn't do that because <laughs> he'll come out and throw five touchdowns on the Raiders. <laughs> I can just see it happening. So let's talk about the Raiders side of the ball, though. Uh, last week, Derek Carr, quote unquote, bounced back um, against the Jaguars. <laughs> he did finish as a quarterback nine. We were talking about this before we started recording. You know, he, he only had 18 points, but he still finished as a quarterback nine. We've seen a huge regression, as you said, you know, from quarterbacks, running backs, and tight ends this year. The only thing that's really been consistent is wide receivers. So yeah, do you see him no as a streaming anymore. option? Yeah, yeah, there's no depth. So, But this week against the Colts, Derek Carr, would you throw him in the starting lineup if you had him? No, I don't think so. Um, I mean, we've said it quite a bit um, on, this, on this podcast that the Colts are very good against opposing wide receivers. Uh, second best in the league and they're not quite as good against quarterbacks but I mean the quarterback has to throw to somebody and so they're only giving up about 15 points a game to the quarterback position um, I think that there's no chance you can really stream Derek Carr obviously you're still going to play Devontae Adams because he is Devontae Adams you're not going to just sit him based on, on where you drafted him and even if uh, Carr has a poor game Devontae Adams still has a chance of having a very good game because of the connection between the two of them and just the target he's going to get. Um, and then you, I think you can rely on Josh Jacobs as well. Yeah, definitely. He, his target share is so high that he he's a star no matter what. Even if Derek Carr is 180 yards, there's a good chance Devontae Adams has 100 of them. <laughs> yeah. But to, to drive point your Derek, or to drive home your Derek Carr point, uh, they lost Hunter Renfro and Darren Waller to IR this week. So they're very limited in the passing game right now. So I'm with you on that. Devontae Adams and Josh Jacobs are who you want to be uh, starting on this team. Anybody else, it's really a dart throw. Matt Collins, if you're really struggling, he might be able to produce for you. But uh, honestly, if there's anyone else in throwing out in this Raiders offense, it's going to be Foster Moreau. Very capable backup for Darren Waller. The tight end position is scarce, and he is more than capable. I mean, 
I think so too. I think he's talented, but the problem is like in the time that Waller's been missing, it's not like Moreau's coming in and done anything decent. He's been he's played basically every snap of the last three games and has a total of twelve points scored. So Yep. I don't, I'm gonna I mean, do the I, same I thing know. as you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I I'm a homer. I love what he does. He's capable like you brought up a good point. He is on the field most of the time. So they trust him in the run game, they trust him in the pass game. They just have to figure out the pass game. So if you're struggling <laughs> at tight end, he's not a bad plug in. I mean, and honestly, there's a chance that he you never if you have a Darren if you're a Darren Waller owner and Obviously, you've been dealing with Wallers and his injury all all season, but maybe you ha- you're one of the ones that don't have a very good backup option to Darren Waller, and so Foss Moreau might have been all you really had available on the on your waiver wire. Yeah, only owned in eight percent of leagues. Uh, you're not going to find a tight end who plays every snap, who is essentially available in every league that you play in. That's a pretty rare uh, commodity, right there. Definitely a risk, but. Some decent upside right there in a shitty tight end landscape that we are in right now. So I think we covered everyone in these game or in that game with the you know the Raiders playing the Colts. Let's move on to the Dallas Cowboys going up to Lambeau Field, Green Bay, playing the Packers. The Cowboys are five point favorites. The overrunner is forty three points. I'll be honest, I have not looked at the weather outlook. But if it's anything like it is up here in the Northwest and they're about the same longitude that we are or latitude, whatever. I, I'm honestly not sure. <laughs> either way, they're as far north as we are and it's been below freezing for a week now and it doesn't look like it's ever going to change. So it's going to be a very cold game. <laughs> Dallas is going up there. And on the Dallas side of the ball, Zeke, he took some reps on in practice on Wednesday. And he was limited today in practice on Thursday. You'll be listening to this on Friday. And they said afterwards he will need a lot more reps this week to see if he will be able to play this weekend. Even if he does play, would you be willing to throw him in your lineup? I'll just say right now, no. But what about Tony Pollard? Um, man, I think you can. Um. I mean, I I know the knee injury is something he's been dealing with for some time now, and it makes it a little harder to be able to rely on him on how many touches he's going to get. But I think you can. Um, the Packers' defense has been disappointing this year compared based on what we thought they were going to be. Um, they're a little weak against the run. They just lost Rashawn Gary, who's by far their best defensive lineman. And so I think it's going to even just open up even more holes for the running game here. Um, if the if it is going to be cold, if it's wet, if, it, if the ball is slick in any way, they are going to rely more on the running game than the, than the passing game because it's going to be hard for Dak to uh, to grip the ball. I mean, he might still be having some slight grip issues from the broken thumb, so that's something you have to keep in consideration as well. So I think that both Zeke and Tony Pollard are flexible players this week. Ooh, you make some good points, so I can be with that. And people forget the Packers, they do have a decent defense. They have been struggling lately, so I wouldn't be surprised if this is a really low-scoring game. So it, to me, it's a dart throw between Zeke and Pollard. I prefer Pollard, but you make a good point there. And speaking of Dak Prescott, since his return, and it's been quite the contrary to what we thought would happen, it's been, well, not quite the contrary, it's been what we thought would happen. It's been a huge <laughs> benefit to Dalton Schultz. He isn't exactly, you know, killing it, but he had two of his best games of the season since Dak has came back in the last couple weeks. Does that make him a easy plug and play at the tight end position? I mean, yeah, I think this is a pretty easy decision just because the tight end position is so barren um, that Schultz is a guy who, you know, he played very, very well all of last season. This year, he's dealt with some injury and then, you know, plus the backup quarterback. But since Dak has been back, he's put up a couple of good games. He has um, 18 points basically in the last two games that he um, that they've played. So I think he's a solid, solid uh, tight end play for you pretty much every week right now. He's I think he's going to have pretty consistent production for you. Yeah, I'm totally with you. You know, I, you know, since Dak has came back, you know, the, the return of the Dak. 
uh, probably sounded horrible, but whatever. Return of the Mac, that's, that's the reference. But yeah, yeah, he definitely has definitely, uh, he's become a, a starter at the tight end position, which is nice to see because we had decent hopes for him in the preseason. Are we starting any receivers? CD Lamb. Well, CD, you have to, I mean. Okay, yep. Yeah, I, I figured I, I'd bring him up. <laughs> I mean, based on where you draft him, and he's like he's not having like a wide receiver one type of season so far, but he's receiver number sixteen on the year, so he's you know right in the middle of that are that wide receiver two spot. So, uh, yeah, I mean you're definitely playing CD Lamb. Mm-hmm. I agree. Gotta throw him in there. So we're at the Packers side of the ball. Aaron Jones was injured. He's been practicing in a limited fashion on Wednesday and Thursday after getting an ankle injury last week. The Packers do expect him to play on Sunday. If he does play, are you starting him? He's had a, a pretty down year so far. We we had high hopes for him. So, you know, if he does play, what do you think about him? I mean, I don't know if I would necessarily say he's had a down year. I think he's had an inconsistent year. I mean, he is the, the running back 10 on the season. So he's still right, right there as an RB1 spot. So I think you have to play Aaron Jones, and you hope that they give him the ball more to run. But, I mean... You do need to downgrade his status a little bit for the week because this defense is so stout. I mean, this Dallas Cowboys defense is really good across the board. Um, they're the second or third best team against running backs so far on the season. So I would say Aaron Jones, you're going to have to downgrade and see him more as an RB2 this week instead of an RB1, um, but you're still going to have him in your lineup. Yep. Way to shit on what I said, but I totally agree with you. So, I mean... <laughs> AJ Dillon, though, definitely having a down year. You can't fucking yeah. counter that one. <laughs> so no, um, I cannot. He, you're not starting AJ Dillon then. No, God, I hope that no one's had AJ Dillon in their lineups for probably at least five or six weeks at this point. Um, he's just not getting the usage we are expecting him to get, and when he is getting some opportunity, he's just not doing anything with it. I mean, I think he's averaging less than four yards a carry on the season. Yeah, just under three point nine seven. He's just not doing anything. So. AJ Dillon, if you've been relying on him still to this point in the season, like what are you even doing with your fantasy team? Are you even looking at waiver wires? Are you looking at someone else to pick up or trade for? Because like it's pretty bad if you're still relying on AJ Dillon. Oh yeah, yeah. If you're relying on him, just blow the whole team up right now. If you're listening to the podcast, <laughs> I don't even care. Pause it, get on the app, and just trade every single person <laughs> on your team. Stop what, whatever you're doing right now. I don't care if you're driving. Pull over. Get rid of him All right now. Over, dude. Put the hazard lights on if you're on the freeway. Just start <laughs> do, doing what you got to do, man. <laughs> Let's talk about the receivers, though. Christian Watson, a full participant in practice on Wednesday after leaving last week's game with a concussion and a chest injury, which means he got lit the fuck up. <laughs> yeah. And... Um, that's not good news that he got lit up, but it's good news that he was a full participant in practice because the wide receiver room for the Packers is pretty thin right now. They only have four healthy receivers. Is he someone worth throwing into your lineup this week? Or are we really only trusting Alan Lazard as being Aaron Rodgers' receiver? Because Aaron Rodgers has had a down year. Yes. And as much as we talk about, you know, Packers receivers are dropping balls like like crazy, like it's nobody's business. Um, he's still not doing it. He's not playing quarterback very well. He's been inaccurate this season for a lot of it. Um, he threw three picks against the Lions, for God's sake. Like the Lions, the worst defense in the league, he threw three picks. Now, granted, one of them got tipped at the line of scrimmage and then got picked, so I'll give that away. He still threw two more that were on him. So there's a problem there. But Lazard, even though he has been inconsistent for most of most of the season, mostly because of injury, when he gets his shot, he I mean he tends to perform. So in the let's see here, seven games he's played. One, two, three, four. I mean, you basically have it. <laughs> you have five <laughs> games that that are double digit points, and the other two are just underneath that. So. You have games that he's going to go out. He's going to have his good game. It's, at least it's solid production that you're going to get that you can rely on for like a flex basis. Um, mm-hmm. But Christian Watson, you're not playing. This defense is too strong. Um, I would expect Alan Lazard 
to at the very least be the only person getting like decent red zone looks this week as well. Yeah, I'm totally with you. I think it's a sign that we're getting old because times are changing. The Jets are winning. The Lions are competitive. All the old white quarterbacks that we grew up watching dominate are kind of sucking. So, you know, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, uh, Matthew Stafford. Matt Ryan. Uh, I guess, yeah, and Matt Ryan. Yeah, so uh, times are changing. You know, you can blame COVID on that two years ago. At least I do. <laughs> Why is everything COVID's fault? <laughs> it, it's an easy scapegoat. So, yeah, that's the reason I lost last week, COVID. <laughs> I just blame it on everything. It's the reason uh, it's been below freezing where we live for a week now before Thanksgiving. So that's cool. But anyways, <laughs> <laughs> let's move on to the next game here. We got the Cardinals. They're going to Los Angeles to play the Rams. The Rams are three-point favorites. Over-unders, 43.5 points. If you haven't noticed by now, uh, pretty low over-unders on these Sunday night games or Sunday afternoon games. But on the Cardinals side of the ball, Kyler Murray, he did miss practice on Wednesday, was limited on Thursday. Right now, he's considered day-to-day. The Cardinals don't expect him to miss any time, but you definitely got to pay attention to his status. And he does have a hamstring injury, and that can be very finicky. I'll just say it right now. If you're leaning on a quarterback who is questionable for Sunday afternoon, the late games, you definitely got to have a backup on your bench. You got to have someone to throw in just in case it comes out Sunday morning that Kyler Murray is not playing. Yeah, I mean, it's obviously uh, a little risky. The team isn't expecting him to miss the game. There'd have to be some kind of setback, you know, basically on Friday in the last walkthrough there. So hopefully nothing happens. Um, but you you are correct there. Like you need to have some type of contingency plan just in case uh, he were to miss that. Yes, sir. Got to go out and get that insurance, which is hard to get these days. Better enough of real life stuff. Let's talk about the receivers on the Cardinals. Rondell Moore, full participant on Thursday. He had a hand injury. Should be good to go. I would say he's definitely good to go. If you're a full participant on Thursday and you have a hand injury, you're playing. And he's been pretty productive as a number two receiver since DeAndre Hopkins came back. By the way, Hopkins is absolutely murdering it, unless you live under a rock. But what do you think about Rondell Moore? I mean, there was this rookie last week that held him in check, so... Oh, fuck off. We're not talking about the Seahawks right now. (laughs) He did did do a good job. That was respectable. Uh, Was it Woolen? Tariq Woolen? Yeah, Tariq Woolen. He he played him very well. The touchdown that D-Hop scored was not against him. Um, When he had D-Hop on him, he he did pretty damn good, so... Yeah, he did good, but we also don't play IDP, so Tariq Woolen can fuck off for this podcast. (laughs) Shout out to him for uh, being a good rookie, but it doesn't matter to us. So, Rondell Moore, do you think he can keep up this week against the Rams? I mean, he's going to have to because you're going to have Jalen Ramsey shadowing DeAndre Hopkins. You know that's going to be the case. There's no way that doesn't happen. That means that Rondell Moore has to get open. That's going to be the only chance for this Cardinals offense to have a good day is for Rondell Moore to get open against the, the whoever their number two cornerback is right now. I don't know. Yeah, I am surprised you don't know because you know <laughs> an insane amount of random shit. And that's why you're the genius of this podcast. But, you know, Rondell Moore has seen great usage. We're talking in the last five weeks, 38 targets. Kind of crazy. Yeah, something we always hoped would happen. He missed the, the beginning of the season, but since he's came back, he's definitely involved in this offense. So um, I, I think I would throw him out there. And you brought up a good point, you know, that Jalen's going to be on DeAndre Hopkins and Rondell Moore has to be the next guy up. So he, he should be a good option. Let's see here. Uh, James Conner. God, I hate this guy. He, uh, he had a... <laughs> I'm just being honest, but he did have a decent, uh, you know, outing and his return from the cracked ribs that he kept him out for three weeks. This week, he does have a tough matchup against the Rams, traditionally very good against the run, and they definitely are. Do you think he puts up another flex-worthy finish? Maybe. Um, I think it's, uh, I think he's probably a low-end flex play. Um, 
I mean, I didn't, if he scores a touchdown, obviously that that's what you're going to hope for. And that's what you're really hoping for for anybody out of your flex position. But I think you, if you don't have, have a better option and, you know, if you wanted to throw some names out there that I could kind of compare the two, then sure. But I think James Conner is a low-end flex play this week. I think he's a no-end flex play. Uh, I think that <laughs> the every reason, week. <laughs> yes, but he's a touchdown-reliant player. He hasn't been scoring touchdowns this year. I just don't see it happening. Uh, especially if you're throwing somebody in your flex, kind of like something we talked about um, a couple of games ago in this episode. Wide receivers are way more consistent right now. So I'd much rather throw a wide receiver in my flex if you're playing in a traditional league that has you know two wide receivers, two running backs, and one flex. I would feel a lot better about throwing a receiver out there and getting a double-digit finish, which James Conner hasn't had since week one. Point driven in. Where's the counter? It doesn't exist. Hold on. Hold on. <laughs> for this stupid page. I was waiting for this stupid page to load. That's what I would say. There's nothing to load, man. <laughs> the the point Uno is momento, driven. Por favor. Uno momento. All right, I don't have a point. I was hoping to find <laughs> one. There's not one there. I was really hoping to, to look at like, oh, the Rams are giving up a bunch of receiving yards to, to running backs, but they're not. They're actually giving the third least amount of receiving yards to running backs in the league. So, yeah. <laughs> I But I already told you, I thought James Conner was a low-end flex play this week, so. You know, I'm not. I'm like half a step above you right now in terms of where we think he's gonna finish. Either way, he sucks. Don't start him. I'm telling you right now. <laughs> okay, <laughs> that's the one of the hills I'm gonna die on. But anyways, <laughs> let's talk. Let's talk about Matthew Stafford. He was placed on the league concussion protocol on Wednesday, which I thought that was kind of interesting. Uh, did he get why on a Wednesday? How do you think that happened? I don't. I don't know. I mean, there was no indication that he was dealing with anything after the game. And then they just like popped up. I, I mean, there is a thing about concussions where they can actually kind of creep up on you after the fact. And it takes like a, a day for the effects to come into play, just like out of repetitive hits. So it could have been something to do with that. It's a really weird situation. Um, but the chance of him playing this week don't sound all that great the way that they're uh, they're going about it. So if he doesn't play, we got a guy named John Wolford who will get the start. Um, If you know who that is, you're from the small town that he played college in or something. I don't know. What do you know anything (laughs) about this guy? I've never even heard this name before. He went to, yeah, he went to Wake Forest. He actually was, he started like three or four games for them a couple years ago um, towards the end of the season when Jared Goff got hurt. And then I think he played, there it is. He started. Oh, I guess he only started the last game of the season. Um, and then he, I think he might have played a little bit in the post in the wild card that week, the next, the following week. And then Goff came back. I don't remember off the top of my head, though. Either way, the last time he played, basically, it's his, he's had, he has one career start, had an okay game. He, you know, 22 of 38 for 231 yards and a touchdown, picked up 56 yards on the ground. Um, I'm sorry, not a touchdown, the interception, no touchdowns. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, that doesn't sound bad. Yeah, but, I mean, okay, you remove the interception, and it's not a terrible game, especially by a guy who's making his first career start. The bigger concern, obviously, because you're not going to, it's not like you're throwing Wolford into your starting lineup because Matthew Stafford's out. The bigger concern is what happens to Cooper Cup and his production with John Wolford at quarterback. Well, my dumb take is that if Matthew Stafford doesn't play, then Robert Woods uh, actually gets targets. You mean Allen Robinson? Because Robert Woods is in Tennessee. Uh, that's what I mean. Allen Robinson, you know the the black, the only black receiver on their team, apparently. And uh, <laughs> that's my dumb take. Don't take that <laughs> seriously. <laughs> but uh, obviously, you have to start Cooper Cup. His numbers, well, yeah, are probably going to yeah. drop. But he's so integrated in that offense. He, I mean, he's still going to be wide receiver, uh, top 12. It has to happen. Still. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you're still starting him. I, I don't know if I would for sure throw him into the top 12. I really wish that for the one start of John Wolford's career, Cooper Cup actually played that game. It's 
the one game of the entire 2020 season that Cooper Cup did not play in. And so I have no idea what that connection could have looked like because they're still running the same offense. That would have been something good to kind of build off of. But you have no idea. Yeah, I mean, obviously you're starting Cooper Cup. But I could see him finishing more as a wide receiver too this week. Yeah, either way you're starting him. Wide receiver one or two. Every league has, you know, two receivers. So yeah, a little bit of a drop off. But yeah, he's still going to get it. I, it would be interesting to see if Cooper Cup didn't have a good game. But if he does have a it's good been game so with John long Wolford, since that's, happened. that's what I'm saying. If he does have a good game with John Wolford at quarterback, it basically solidifies the fact that he's a stone cold stud, which he already is, but he could basically do it with anybody throwing him the ball, which he kind of proved in Eastern Washington. Uh, shout out to yeah, where we're from. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Cooper Cup's okay. Think. Listen to how this consistency. The last time Cooper Cup scored less than 10 points in the game was week four of last season. It's a season in almost a half of football that he's gone without having double digit points. Oh. Or scoring less than double digit points. You know what I meant? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah. Definition of consistency. And, you know, he's setting a high standard for himself. So we'll see what happens this week, but either way, you got to start him. So, yeah, it, sh- it should be interesting to watch, definitely. But let's move on to the next game here. Sunday night football. We got the Chargers playing the San Francisco 49ers. And this is in San Francisco. The 49ers are seven-point favorites, which is kind of surprising to me. Over-under is 46.5 points. On the Chargers side of the ball... Mike Williams still recovering from his high ankle sprain. Still considered week to week. He's not playing this week. Keenan Allen still not practicing. Got a hamstring injury that he's been dealing with all season because he's an old man. <laughs> <laughs> so it looks like the Chargers receivers that you want to focus on this week are going to be Josh Palmer and DeAndre Carter. Are you? How do you feel about either of these guys being in your lineups? I like Josh Palmer because of his usage. Yeah, I I, I completely agree. Josh Palmer. Um, I mean, it's the same look we basically had last week against Atlanta. The difference being that you know San Francisco is a much better defense, but Josh Palmer put in work last week. So if there's one person that I think you can start confidently at the receiver position for the Chargers, it is definitely uh, Josh Palmer. Yep, I'm totally with you on that. What about Gerald Everett, tied in for the Chargers? I mean, he's been getting a ton of usage all season, right? Um, it's the production with that usage has fluctuated some, but I mean, the 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 fact that he's getting like six, seven, eight targets almost every single game is something that you can't get from a lot of other tight ends. So even though it's a tough matchup, I think you can still you know throw Gerald Everett in your lineup. Yeah, very, very low end to me. I, I'm with you on that. It's someone I don't expect much from, but it's someone I would throw in my lineup, and I'm like, cool, I'm going to get six points from my tight end position, which sounds so dismal, but you know, those kind of performances have literally put him into the top 10 with three games that he's had double-digit games in. Other than that, yeah. he's scoring six points a game, so it's... That's just where we're at in fantasy this year. It's uh, it's it's super fun and phenomenal to start tight ends. It makes my day. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if you can sense the sarcasm, but goddamn, it's horrible. Yeah, but I mean, Gerald Everett has had a minimum of six targets in, in every game this year, except for two. So I mean that he's getting consistent usage, and uh, and that's something like I said, you can't rely on from a lot of other tight ends. So. I'm going to go with a guy that at least is getting looks and hopefully that, you know, this week he turns into something, maybe gets in the end zone. Yep. I'm with you. And on the San Francisco side of the ball, um, we're talking Debo Samuel, Christian McCaffrey, obvious must starts. What about Brandon Ayuk? We're going to talk about him real quick. I mean, not really. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. That, well, that's what I mean. Real quick. We could talk about him. Yeah. I mean, in the last three weeks though, I know he's he's been good. Um, the only concern I have is the further incorporation of CMC into this offense and how much that can eat 
into what Brandon Ayuk is going to be able to give you. I mean, we're talking 28 targets in three weeks. He's caught 21 of them. Not really getting very many yards per catch. Um, touchdowns are inflating his points. But, you know, in the yeah. last three weeks, he has 52 points. Right. But in the last game, like two of those games was essentially without Christian McCaffrey, right? Because the, uh, the last game Christian McCaffrey was there, was there and he only had six targets. He did score a touchdown, so that helped, obviously, that way. But CMC took away a lot of those targets. The week before, when he did have 11 targets, that's when Christian McCaffrey had been on the roster for, like, three days. That's a good point. You know, and and once he did solidify himself, Christian McCaffrey, nine targets? Goddamn, 36-point game? Yeah, I mean, he was everything in their last game. That is a good point. Would you flex Brandon Ayuk, I guess, is what I'm getting down to. I don't think I would, honestly. Um, I think that the touchdowns have inflated his points the last few weeks. Um, and when you remove a touchdown and you basically from the last game, if you remove a touchdown, you're you got, you know, 10 ish points, which I mean, is a decent flex play. It is. But I just continue to see. I just feel, I have this feeling that he's going to fall back into the wayside with CMC there now. Yeah, that is a good point. And Debo Samuel has been out for a couple weeks dealing with a hamstring injury. He should be back this week. So, yeah, it's, yeah, good points are being made. So, I'll agree with you reluctantly. (laughs) Let's talk about our last game, the Monday Night Football game. Washington Commanders are going to Philadelphia playing the Eagles. The Eagles are 11 point favorites. God damn, what a hell of a spread. And the over under is 44 points. So apparently the Eagles are just going to completely smash the Commanders, according to Vegas. Yeah. And I think it's no secret, you know, Philadelphia has a very strong defense. And Taylor Heineke has been struggling since he's been made the starter. He has not put a good game together yet. And since Brian Robinson was quote unquote named the starter, he really hasn't produced like we hoped he would. Are we going to mess with anybody on this Washington offense? Yeah, I'm still messing with the receivers. Um, I'm still gonna gonna mess around with with uh, Scary Terry and Curtis Samuel. Because um, even in the games that Heineke hasn't played great, they're still getting decent enough usage to uh, to make up for it. Um, Granted, it's super dicey this week against Philadelphia. So they you have to, you know, kind of downgrade what you think they're gonna be. I would say Curtis Samuel is a low end flex and uh I would move Scary Terry to like a low end wide receiver two, maybe a high end flex. But so I mean obviously that means I'm leaning towards Scary Terry in this game. So, <sighs> but I think you can still mess with them uh-huh. both if you need to. So you would take both of these guys for Brandon Ayuk. I didn't say that. I'm asking you. That I know. Was a, a weird <laughs> statement question. I mean, I guess I would. And that's just because I don't trust Brandon Ayuk to be able to stay part of this offense with Christian McCaffrey there. I hope I'm wrong, honestly, because I think they could use another playmaker or somebody they can you know consistently get the ball in his hands and have him do some stuff. But I think for whatever reason this week, I'm leaning towards Curtis Samuel. And Terry McLaurin over Brandon Ayuk. Ah, God, you're the worst. <laughs> Not really. <laughs> Obviously, I, I'm with you. Would you put Ayuk <laughs> over both of them? Uh, no, on, I, I think that's a tough question between the three. That's why I asked you. Because, I mean, if I had to choose one between the three, I think I would be willing to put my money on... Oh, God, this, this really is a hard one. I, I would be willing to put my money on Brandon Ayuk. But they're all so close, I think, as far as point production. And I know Christian McCaffrey is emerging, but Brandon Ayuk is getting pretty solid numbers. They're like a little bit more solid than Curtis Samuel and Terry McLaurin. And honestly, they're more solid than Curtis Samuel's numbers. So it's a toss-up. Definitely is a toss-up, and that's why I wanted to throw it at you. 
Yeah, I think I'm just leaning the other way. I maybe it's just I have too much confidence in CMC and him getting a ton of usage going forward. But that's the so I mean obviously we're on opposite opposite ends here. We'll see how it uh, ends up. Yeah, we'll see, dude. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see. Come come Monday night, <laughs> fucking four days from now. Yep. So let's let's talk about the ego side of the ball then. Obviously, you know, you're starting all the regular guys, AJ Brown, Jalen Hurts, Miles Sanders. But what about Devonta Smith? He's been struggling since the bye week. He's only had yeah. eight points in the last two weeks. And I was surprised when I was looking this up. The commanders are pretty good against receivers. They're only allowing 178 yards per game and an average of one touchdown to wide receivers per game so far this season. So in my mind, I think that leans in A.J. Brown's favor. And Devonta Smith, as much as I love him, I would be surprised if he has a good game this week. I mean, they are giving him a bunch of touchdowns, though, because like they are the seventh worst ranked in terms of fantasy points given up to receivers at just over 30 points a game. So they are giving up quite a few, few scores in the air. So, I mean... Wait, I don't I love the Devontae- Hold on. Yeah, they only give up nine on the year, nine in nine games. Well, they, according to the fantasy pros, are giving up 30 points a game to the wide receivers. It's the seventh worst mark in the league. How is that happening? Okay. <laughs> well, I, I, the landscape is changing. I'm an old man. <laughs> so, but I don't love Devontae Smith this week. There's something going on there it seems like i mean last week he only had two targets and that could just be a matchup thing they were also playing houston so all you have to do is run the ball against houston um so there could have been something to do with that so i don't know man um i think i'm still gonna wait and see on Devonte smith it seems to be too up and down on the year to be able to trust him um on any given week yeah i'm with you i'm, I'm still trying to process what you said i mean how can how can you give up a hundred in 73 yards a game and nine touchdowns in nine games and be one of the worst teams against receivers. They are giving up a decent amount of catches, but um, if you're listening right now, when we say against receivers, we're talking about the receiving core, not just a single receiver. Right. So it's, you see where I'm coming from, right? It's kind of surprising. Yeah, no, I I get it. I mean, it's it's a little weird, but I mean, yard. I mean, when you add up all the catches and yards and things like that, like sometimes it just ends up being a lot more than what you would think based off of raw numbers, you know? Yeah, and to be fair, I'm looking at raw numbers. It doesn't consider points per catch or half point per catch because I'm an old man and I just use CBS Sports. That's a good point, but I mean, God, 173 yards a game seems pretty good against receivers, but maybe it's the catches that are getting them, getting killed in the short game. So I, I think that pretty, that wraps up all of the late games on Sunday and Monday night. Let's move on to our favorite part of the segment, our starts of the week. And I'm just going to throw it at you right now. Tell me who it is. Who's your quarterback start of the week? All right, I'm going out on a limb here, man. And it's a little bit of a hunch just the way I'm feeling. But I think you can rely on this guy this week, even though he's played poorly. I'm going to go with Russell Wilson. I think this week he puts himself back in the conversation as a QB1. Um, I know this offense has been, been rough. Russell hasn't looked great. But in the last game before the bye week against the Jags, he looked his most comfortable that he has the entire season. Um, didn't put up huge numbers, but again, on the field, he just looked more comfortable. And now that they are coming off of off of a bye week, you gave him a chance to one, he looked better, you know, could completely be rested for over a week instead of having to do anything. Um, you have a chance for this offense to really sit back, take some notes, self-evaluate, figure out where they need to get better and what they can do differently to open up this offense. And on top of that, Russell Wilson is six and three in his career coming off of bye weeks. Um, so he tends to come in and win games. So I think he's going to produce it does. It also obviously helps that he's playing the Titans who are giving up a ton of points to quarterbacks, uh, 20, a little more than 20 points a game. 
and are giving up 275 passing yards again, which is the third most in the in the league. So Russell Wilson, I'm putting my stamp on it. He gets himself back as a QB one this week. Oh, that's a bit of a risk. And I wouldn't call it going out on a limb because obviously you have deep, deep uh, hidden feelings for him since he was your quarterback for <laughs> so many years. <laughs> playing I think Seattle. he's in, he's probably also getting tired of Pete Carroll taking these not so subtle swipes at him um, in press conferences. I'd get mad too if a guy who was 120 years old kept talking shit about me. <laughs> I mean, did you see the whole like QB armband thing that came up this week? No, I didn't. Okay, so quick sidebar here. Pete Carroll came out and said that one of the reasons Geno Smith is having a good season is because he's been wearing a QB wristband, so it's easier to call the plays in and out from the sideline. And he said that in the past, we've had struggles with that, which is a not-so-subtle swipe as saying Russell Wilson didn't like to wear a QB armband, and so sometimes the play didn't get come, didn't get called into the to the rest of the team correctly because he's only getting from the mic in in the helmet. Oh, that's interesting. I'm surprised I haven't yeah. heard that because I listen to local sports radio every morning, which would be Seattle radio from uh, where we live, even though we don't live anywhere close to Seattle. And I haven't heard anything about that. Yeah, we're in Washington, so it happens. Yeah, Usually they would bring something up weird. like that. Yeah, it's a weird little swipe for really no reason. Uh, I don't know. Pete, it's kind of it's kind of fun having Pete Carroll out, come out here and like be a little spiteful, though. Yeah, so Pete's basically saying Russell Wilson's retarded. That's um, <laughs> whoa now. Yeah. <laughs> Can't use language like that anymore. Uh, mentally deficient or whatever, uh, <laughs> whatever I have to say to make that <laughs> that term make sound right. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about my quarterback start of the week. I got Tua versus the Cleveland Browns. He's been on fire lately. In the last two weeks, he has consecutive games of 30-plus fantasy points, and these are after his much-publicized concussions where he was throwing up gang signs, stumbling off the field, things like that, just absolutely fucked up, laying on the ground. And he does play a respectable Cleveland defense this week, but I think it's a solid floor that would make him a starting quarterback no matter what. So I'm rolling with old Tua. Who's your running back start of the week? Nah, I like Tua this week as well. I mean, I think he's a he's somebody that he's a must start. I think for the rest of the season, he seems to be just clicking right now. Um, so definitely my start of the week at running back. I'm gonna go back to Travis Etienne here. Ever since they traded away James Robinson and they gave him that backfield, he's been killing it. Over the last two weeks, he has 48 points, uh, finishing mm-hmm. as at least a top seven running back. Uh, both of those weeks, I think he's gonna keep this going. The Chiefs, uh, even though they're winning games, and that's because of Patrick Mahomes, their defense is not very good. I think Travis Etienne is going to be able to feast here. The Chiefs gave up 23 points per game, two running backs on the season. So I think Etienne is going to finish as a top five running back this week. I'm with that. Ever since I got rid of James, oh, man, that's literally been his show. It's, it's what we wanted to happen last year, but obviously it's happening now. So, you know, uh, good things come with time, apparently, or whatever your grandma tells you when you're depressed. And I mean, you, it probably would help if ETN was even on the field all of last season, seeing that he got hurt in the preseason. Well, yeah, that's kind of what I'm saying that before he got hurt, <laughs> we yeah, had high hopes I mean, that he would. It's the talent like we saw from him coming into the league. Like we were hoping this, you know, expecting this to happen. Well, you know, ETN. Doesn't even matter. Or Lincoln Park. <laughs> whatever Lincoln Park said. <laughs> well they said. That's not that's pretty good. <laughs> Thank you. I uh I'm I'm proud of that one. <laughs> so uh, my running back start of the week is gonna be Josh Jacobs playing the Colts. And he was on a tear for a, a hot second, you know, between weeks four and seven, scoring plenty of points, but the last couple weeks he's been pretty quiet. And so the Raiders, really, in general. Right now, the Raiders are missing Hunter Renfro and Darren Waller. They just went on IR this week. They're going to be out for at least four weeks, as we spoke on a little bit earlier. And lately, their pass game has been struggling. So I think Josh Jacobs is going to be a a focal point of the offense this week. 
The Colts are okay against the run. They're not horrible. They're not great. They've been exposed quite a few times this, this year against the run. So I think this could be one of those times. Josh Jacobs, when he gets the opportunity, absolutely destroys. And I think his opportunity is going to be very, very heavy this week, this week against the Colts. I mean, it should. When they were giving him 20 touches a game or 20 carries a game, they were winning or, you know, being extremely competitive and their offense was humming. And the last two weeks, they haven't done that. And look at what happened. So, yeah, I think they need to, you know, look themselves in the mirror. Like, hey, Josh Jacobs, he's a damn good back. We continue to feed him like an old school offense. We play better. And so they need to do that. Yeah, I think the Raiders just need to hire me. I'll call the plays just like his Baden, and um, I'm giving it to him. Two, I'm giving it to him. Two out of the the three downs we're playing because he gets yards. <laughs> First down, run. Second down, run. Third down, run. Then punt. Yeah, if you have to. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck it. Fourth Third down and long, two. Fine, we'll pass. <laughs> yep, exactly. That's the only time I'm passing. Now it's got to be more than three, third and five. And I'm also running the ball with Derek Carr, scrambling, getting running yards, which they refuse to do. The man's fast as fuck. That's that's a different situation. <laughs> so, yeah. OK, I, that, that that might be going out on a bit of a limb. there, saying he's fast as fuck for a quarterback. I mean, he ran a four, six, 40. Fucking. He's fast Eight years for ago, a quarterback. Yeah, he's only faster now, man. He's been in an NFL weight room. But anyways, that's All not right. what this is about. <laughs> All right, to, to our receivers. Uh, I'm going to go with Amon Ross St. Brown. I mean, we all expected him to come in and put up wide receiver one type of stats every week. You know, the way he ended last season, everyone just thought he was, you know, he was like the next guy, the next number one receiver, next star in this league. And then that hasn't happened uh, this season. The first two weeks of the year, great. He uh, put up great numbers again. And then the injury bug kicked in. He's had a bunch of little nagging injuries, kept him um, in and out of the lineup, missed games here, missed most of a couple other games. And it's really hurt him so far this, this year. But he's back. He's been fully healthy for a couple of weeks now. They traded away TJ Hawkinson. And they, but they did get DeAndre Swift back, so I think they're going to open this offense up a little more. Amon-Ra, in the games he does play a full game, he's averaging over 10 targets a game. So the target share is going to be there. The Chicago defense is not very good, just overall. They traded away two of their best players at the deadline in Roquan Smith and the defensive end that I'm forgetting his name right now. Bradley uh, Chubb? No, Wait, Chubb went, who was in Denver. About? Oh, sorry. I heard defensive end Quinn. trade, and that's Quinn. the first thing I thought. It was Quinn. Robert Quinn. Um, Robert Quinn, yeah. So they traded both of them away. way they have less pass rush. You know, one of the best linebackers in the game is now now no longer patrolling the middle. Amara St. Brown is going to come in, have a good game, get back on track, and I think he finishes as a wide receiver one this week. I'm totally with you. We love him on this podcast, and the love hasn't faded. It only increases with TJ Hawkinson being gone. So, yeah, I'm totally with you on that one. Let's talk about tight ends. My tight end start of the week. Oh, wait. Oh, oh, oh. nope. I'm skipping my <laughs> Give wide your receiver. receiver first there, bud. Yeah, hold up. Hold up. Moving on. <laughs> hold up. Wait Bring a minute. Back. Yeah, wait a minute. Let me put some Olave up in it because that's who's going to be my wide receiver start of the week. Chris Olave versus Steelers. Since Andy Dalton took over at quarterback for the Saints, Olave has posted double-digit points in four of his his five games that he has played with Dalton. So he's a starter no matter what when Dalton's playing, for the most part. And in the last three weeks, he has 30 targets. He's the obvious number one receiver for New Orleans. We've talked about him plenty of times in this podcast. Very promising rookie receiver. So I think you know he he has a good chance this week against the Steelers. And right now, the Steelers are allowing 212 yards per game and just under two touchdowns a game to receivers. So I think a 100-yard performance from Olave is pretty likely, and also him probably getting a touchdown. Yeah, we love some Chris Olave. He's been killing it. Uh, probably the leader in the rookie of the year category for the offensive side at the moment. Oh, yeah, definitely. 
We Olave. Olave. I don't know. <laughs> that was horrible. Fuck it. <laughs> Who's your tight end start of the week? Good attempt. All right. So this is like one of my least favorite picks I've had this entire season. I'm going to be completely honest. Uh, I was trying to stay away from chalkiness, and it seems like there's a lot of chalkiness out there right now for the tight ends this week on who you can rely on based off of what you know teams that they're, they're, they're going up against. So I'm going to go with somebody who we talked about a little bit in the in the early game episode last you know that we recorded yesterday came out this morning on Thursday morning. Um, I'm going to go with Noah Fant against the Buccaneers. So Fant has had not a very good season so far this year. But last week, he was able to take advantage of a poor uh, car- Arizona Cardinals defense. I'm sorry. Um, that gave up a ton of points to the tight end position. He had six catches, five yards, and 96. Or, Jesus, six targets, five catches, 96 yards for over 12, po- for 12 points, which is the best game of the year. The Buccaneers are not much better against tight ends on the season. Than the Cardinals are so uh, Tampa is like really the only weak spot on their defense. They're giving up almost 12 points a game. So I think you can rely on Noah Fant as a very good streaming option this week, and he will respond and have another tight end one finish. I see you doubling down here. Oh, not really doubling down. I fucked it up. I keep thinking <laughs> Noah Fant's in the goddamn Broncos. Yeah, forget whatever I'm saying. But no offense, that that is a decent uh, play to throw out there. Yeah. I'm not gonna lie, I I almost thought about stacking uh, Russell Wilson and Jerry Judy this week as my starts of the week. I thought about it. I toyed with the idea. Well, we kind of stacked because you got Russell Wilson and I got Greg Dulcich as my tight end start of the week. Hey, there it is. Yes, sir. Oh, Greg, what you doing fishing in these waters? <laughs> He's solidified himself as the number one tight end for Denver in three weeks. He was out for the whole beginning of the season, but in the last three weeks, he has definitely been that guy at tight end for the Denver Broncos. And I know they've been struggling, but the two times he has played with Russell Wilson, they were double-digit fantasy performances. So I do like Greg Dulcich playing with Russell Wilson. And to a little cherry on top of that, Tennessee has been exposed pretty often by tight ends this year. And it, it's just a rough landscape when it comes to tight ends. So I think that makes Dulcich a very worthy starting tight end. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of crazy. And maybe giving that extra weapon throughout the middle of the field is something that really helps this this offense open up. So hopefully that's something that can happen. And I mean... You almost have to pick Greg Dolchich just for the fact that he probably has the best hair in the NFL. I have not Dude. seen his hair. Am I? Dude, do I have that to thing look that up really flowing. fast? That thing is flowing, and he's rocking a mustache. This dude looks like he belongs in like a '70s disco movie. If it's not a mullet, I'm gonna be pretty pissed. Oh, it, well, yeah, it's kind of close to a mullet. He looks like I mean, he it's was curly. in um, Millie Vanilli. <laughs> Um, yeah. Anyone who's listening probably has no idea who that is. Look up Millie Vanilli, the guy who's the guys who got caught lip singing and got a Grammy for it or some shit. <laughs> I'm probably not even 100 percent well, right on that, but you know what yeah. I'm saying, right? <laughs> yeah, kind of. Not really. Um, let's go ahead and move on to Stinky's defenses of the week. <laughs> no, let's talk about Millie. Okay, I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> let's talk about my defenses of the week. I got three of them for you. This week, I like the Titans' defense against the Broncos, even though I just said I do like the Denver Broncos' tight end. And That's super confusing. Though, well, hey, this is why, okay? Because it's only confusing to you because you like Russell Wilson. So That's true. The Titans, just they're only... I, well, yeah, you have to. Come on now. <laughs> Playing the fantasy stock market here. So the Titans, they are rostered in 48% of leagues, but you want people to snag them up. They have forced 12 turnovers in nine games. They're allowing less than 20 points per game, and they're allowing even less points per game if you take out their games against the high-powered Buffalo and Kansas City Chiefs offenses. So they're secretly a very good defense, 
And Denver is a struggling offense, as we know. I know Russell Wilson is your start of the week, but very inconsistent. So I have to go against your start of the week here, and I like the Tennessee Titans defense. I mean, Do you're you wrong. Have a but that's okay. Yeah, you're I'm wrong. not, but I'm not, <laughs> but that's also okay because I'm right. It's totally fine with me. We'll see what happens, man. It's like when I'm right, I'm right, and when I'm wrong, I could have been right. So I'm so right because I could have been wrong. Is that what you're trying to say? Dude, 80% of the time, it works every fucking time. Okay. <laughs> and that's the Titans defense because they've been killing it this year. And the only two teams they fucked up on are the Buffalo and Kansas City, which everyone pretty much struggles against. So that's what happens, dude. Moving on. This is a real deep play here. The Raiders defense against the Colts. The Raiders defense is horrible. Hot water, it's garbage. It's the water that leaks out of the dumpster behind McDonald's in LA at two in the morning. It is horrible. But the Colts are starting Sam Ellinger, young quarterback. He hasn't thrown a touchdown in two games. I really don't think this is a, a bad play considering the fact that they're also playing in Las Vegas. So this is a deep throw, kind of hoping that they get an interception, return touchdown, fumble recovery, touchdown, things like that. Do you see where I'm coming from with that one? That's a deep play, but it's possible, That's right? That's a very deep play. But you do have some good defenses on by this week. I mean, you have the Ravens, Bengals, Jets, and, and Patriots are all, you know, relatively. Uh, you have the Patriots who are a great defense. The Bengals are a little fluctuating. So the Ravens it's kind of fluctuate too, but the Jets are pretty good as well. So. You do lose some streaming options this week, so it might be a little deeper on your defensive play. We, we've said some wild shit on this podcast. The Jets are a decent defense. Oh, man. has happened it's, since the Rex Ryan days. That's true. That is true. Good times back then. But anyways, <laughs> let's talk about my last defense of the week. Seahawks versus Tampa Bay. The Seahawks, basically, uh, at least in the last few weeks, have completely turned around, turned around their defense. They were an absolute just gaping hole at the beginning of the season. But in the last few weeks, they put up some very good games. They even shut down Arizona to 15 total points scored last week. And recently, Tampa Bay has been struggling offensively, or not even, even really recently, all season. And... This is a team you can pick up in pretty much any league. They're owned in 26% of leagues. So if you need a defense streaming option, I like the Seahawks. This game is also in London. It's in Germany, in Munich. It's also in a different country. (laughs) 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 You know, the crazy thing is actually the the Seahawks defense, depending on what league you're in, has actually been a top five fantasy defense on the season even when they were playing poorly because they forced turnovers. They have 13 turnovers on the season. They have scored one touchdown. They also are getting a bunch of sacks at 27 sacks so far in the year, um, which is the fourth best mark in the league. So they're making plays that earn you points for, for, you know, fantasy defense. And, you know, they're aggressive. They play downhill. They play with reckless abandon and it's, it's working so far. So we'll see if old Tom Brady can, uh, can you know right the ship in in Tampa against the Seahawks defense this week? Yeah, I agree. It's interesting that you like the Seahawks uh, with those stats that you said, but you didn't like the Titans because their stats are basically the same: one less turnover, one touchdown. I mean, come on, come on! I just I just don't like them this week because they're playing my star of the week at quarterback. Yeah, I know, but. You're not our quarterback guru. You're our running back guru. You, you've hit on basically every single one this year. <laughs> and it's, it's fine if you shit the bed on another quarterback because you're All a right. homer with Russell Wilson. I don't blame you. It's your first love. <laughs> Sometimes you got to go back to him. Baby, come back. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, let's go to wrap this thing up. Yep, and that that does wrap this thing up. That is everything we got for you on this episode. That is our week ten starts of the week for the late games, and um, our starter sits. Well, it's week ten started sits, and 
whatever. You already, if you listen this far, you already know what it is. So, <laughs> thank you for listening. If you haven't already, follow us on Twitter at the FF Fathers. Interact with us, send us a DM, whatever. You got questions, starter sits for this week. I'm more than happy to answer them. Um, and make sure you you tune in next week. And if you're new to the show, you know we have waiver wire episodes that come out on Tuesdays, and our starter sits come out on Thursday mornings and Friday mornings, along with our starts of the week. So yeah, thank you for listening and riding with us. And if you haven't drank yet, drink something because uh, that's what we do here in America. Hell yeah! So. <laughs> Good luck this week, guys. (laughs) Yeah, thanks for listening. Have a good one.